All right, welcome everybody to another episode of Studio B. I am your host, Pastor Holman. I am excited to have you guys join us again. Remember, if you're watching right now, go to our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Also follow us on our YouTube. Click subscribe and then click that bell to the right to make sure that you don't miss one single episode of Studio B. And today in the studio, I have a very, very special guest with me, Mr. Brian Mason. Uh, we're going to be talking about some investments, some gold, some silver, how to get your money up. Uh, right. He is an account executive of Gulf Coast Gold Traders, and we're going to be talking about a whole lot of things, man. So I'm excited about this episode, man. Welcome to Studio B. Thank you. How Thank you doing over there? Pleasure to be here. Blessed, highly favored. Blessed and highly favored. That's a good <laughs> word, man. Yes, sir. Uh, so we've been talking off camera, man. We should have had it, uh, the cameras rolling <laughs> while we were doing it, but having some very fruitful conversations. So, Mr. Brian, one of the things that we're going to talk about today is this all elusive thing about economic empowerment. Okay. And so money is one of these kind of subjects that is very taboo. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of people don't like to talk about money. And we've talked along a couple of weeks ago on this podcast about taking away the stigma of money. So when you talk to people about money, whether he's 45, 50, and that person is at a place in his life to where he feels like he should be further. Sure. And the shame that comes along with being in whatever economic condition that you happen to be in at the time generally causes people not to address the issue in a very real way because of shame and embarrassment. Absolutely. So we got to be able to take the stigma away and say no matter where you are, no matter where that place is, we'd like you to start there. And by starting there is by getting some new information. Sure. And so when you're looking at economic uh, strongholds and how to break those things, mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about your life, man. Where are you at right now? Um, right now, I am um, in the middle of... Um, projecting my business. I've been on my own for two years. Uh, God's been so good to me. Um, I have a loving wife, two beautiful kids. Um, I, I can't complain. I really can't. Um, where I am in my business is um, in transition from being here to getting there. The only thing that's slowing me down is COVID-19. Mm. Uh, but God has given me favor and I haven't had anything to worry about. And so I just give him all the glory and uh, and the honor for giving me the wisdom and the insight to make the moves that I've been able to make. So in your life growing up, did you grow up in a wealthy household, middle class, poor, poverty? Where, where'd you grow up at? Well, um, I wasn't sleeping on dirt floors, but uh, we definitely weren't wealthy. Um, I had a, a period of time where uh, my mom and dad were together. Uh, they were together for about... 10 good years, and then two that wasn't so good. Uh, and then from there, my mom was forced to move in with my grandmother. So she was a single parent. So I watched that single parent struggle. And, you know, as you get older, you start to learn that even my father didn't have that father figure. So how was he supposed to put me in the position where I should be, right? So, no, we weren't wealthy. Um, my mom was a school teacher. She taught school for a very long time, and back then school teachers didn't make much money. Mm -hmm. So three kids, that's all the money right there. Mm -hmm. Forget the mortgage. And so um, I grew up in a neighborhood in South Park where, no, we weren't on dirt floors, but we didn't have it all. Um, we didn't know we were poor because we had love. Mm -hmm. Everyone loved each other. Yeah, you, know, yeah. you have a good friend. You yeah. have a good neighbor. Um, people were family. Uh, it just really wasn't about... Uh, materialistic things, people were just really trying to survive. And so I come from that type of uh, 
a neighborhood. So when your mother and your father separated Mm -hmm. and then you went to go live with your mother, so you had that single parent kind of environment. Mm -hmm. So what did that mean in relations with your father? Were you still in contact with him? How how did that play out? Well, at the time, he was kind of in a in a transition where I felt like he was trying to find himself. We were reaching out to him. He really wasn't as receptive as we expected him to be. Um, I think he was going through some kind of a midlife crisis at the time just by some of his actions, some of the things that he was doing. I think he was really trying to find himself. As I got older, I learned that he lost his father when he was a teenager. Mm. So, again, that's why I say how can I, you know, expect him to know what to do when he's put in the same predicament, you know. So um, the grace of God, uh, my mom kept us in church. And so what I used to do is I used to see different families and look at them and how they interacted and look at their marriages. And I said to myself, you know what, that's that's what I'm looking for. That's the kind of, of a father figure I'd like to be. And so I would do that. Um, coming up as a kid, I'd watch the Cosby show. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody grew up on the Cosby show. That was just like the, the, the epitome of the father, the perfect father, America's dad, right? And so that always gave me hope because I knew that God was real. Um, here's an example of a successful black family. And that's what I always wanted. And so even though they, weren't, they were no longer together, I was able to keep my faith by my mom kept me in church three days out of the week. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sunday, what, Tuesday, and maybe another day to help clean up. Like, I was always in the midst. I was always getting the word. So even though I was around the world with my friends and my uncles that were showing me everything, uh, God kept me grounded. So, and I'm asking those questions, uh, Brian, because one of the ways in which we get to the the topic at hand about economic, breaking the cycles of economic strongholds, is understanding those cycles that have to be broken. Sure. Right? And, and, and kind of tracing your life back mm-hmm. to where something broke in your life and then tracing it forward to how you reacted to that back then. Sure. And so people are in destructive cycles because they lived in destructive cycles mm-hmm. and don't know how to break the pattern of another destructive cycle. Sure. Thus, the cycle continues to move forward. Sure. And so when you're looking at um, your father not being there, and a lot of people can atone to that or attest to that particular um, that particular uh, statement. Mm-hmm. But when you're looking at the role models that you had in your life, we talked about the Cosby show. That was mm-hmm. kind of like, wow, the, the Huxtables. Right. You know, he's a doctor. She's a lawyer. Right. They live in a nice little brownstone. Mm-hmm. They're respectable. Mm-hmm. You know, they the, the kid. And I mean, th- I think that was the picture for black America. It was. Right. It so was. what were some of those on the ground role models that you had, though? Uh, I say on the ground role models. I'd, I'd have to go with my pastor. Uh, Dr. Allen, uh, he and his wife were uh, the epitome of a successful marriage in my eyes. Um, they were always loving. Uh, he was uh, very caring yet stern, and and I got a lot uh, of how to be a man under his leadership. Mm. Um, but of course, like I said, growing up in the hood, you know, I had rappers that I looked up to, uh, Master P. Um, he was a guy who came from nothing and had something. He made something out of nothing, $10,000 and turned it into millions. Mm-hmm. And so I'm looking at that. I'm like, man, he can do it. And I know I could do it, right? Um, outside of that, professionally, um, there wasn't too much for me to see. Where, where I was, where I grew up, the epitome of success 
was to get a raggedy car, paint it up, put some Vols on it, put some Vols on it, <laughs> put some 18s yeah. in the back, right? You got your radio, yeah. you got your Momo wood grain steering yes. wheel, you can take that off, <laughs> and then when you walking around the mall with your steering wheel yeah, and your radio, know. you were successful. That was success to me. Mm-hmm. That's that's That was the ceiling. And until I turned about 15 or 16 and some of the guys in the church started to really cater towards me because I guess I was coming into manhood. And um, a good friend of mine, I'll never forget it, Brian Stevenson, one of my good friends, he took me to a house. And this house was like five stories. It was a uh, U of H professor. I forget his name. The short of it was is that that was my first time actually getting out and really seeing wealth. So my mom would take us out to the woodlands and to River Oaks, and we look at Christmas lights. That's fine, but that was wealth. I mean, five stories? I've never seen that. A, hot, a helicopter pad, acres of land, a lake in the back, and the guy allowed us to just walk through. And when I saw that with my own eyes, I knew that it was possible. Mm. I said, if this guy can do it, I can get out of this mess. I know that it's possible. You know, I always knew God was real, but to actually see it, touch it, a basketball court indoors, a tennis court indoors, a pool indoors, a mother-in-law suite that was like 2,000 square feet in the back of the house, um, five stories at the very top of the house. It was uh, it was an area where you could just see the stars at night. Mm. No telescope needed. Mm. Um, and I had a conversation with the guy, and the guy was there. We got through. He said, well, how'd you like it? I said, man, this was beautiful. Movie room, all kind of stuff. Popcorn machine sitting out there. I'm just, you know, 17-year-old kid. I'm like, I'm amazed. He said, well, how did you like it? I said, man, this was great. And um, we walked outside, and he drove a Jaguar. And his son drove a Mazda 626. I said, well, why do you make your son drive this old <laughs> raggedy car? And You have a, a Jaguar. Y'all have all this wealth. He said, even though I have it, he has to learn to do it on his own. Mm. And that was a lesson that stuck to me that I'd never forget because you can't go around giving your kids, no matter where you are economically, every single thing that they ask for. They have to have something, a burning desire for success. If you give them all of the material things to be successful, they'll never have nothing to work for. So now if you if you take that thought, Brian, because that's an excellent point that we need to, to kind of expand on, mm-hmm. that's counterproductive of what we're looking at in this society because sure. we're driven in this society by what the Joneses have. Mm-hmm. And so if this little square little box tells me that's what success is mm-hmm. and to be successful, I got to have that, right. um, then that's what I want to be successful because mm-hmm. my friends are going to think I'm cool I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. So this delayed gratification mm-hmm. um, is a concept that is not really warranted in our culture right now. Right. And so when you're talking about looking at that particular man and that revolutionized your life and you say, you know what, if he can do it, then I can do it. I think that's one of the things, man, let's kind of sit there for a second. Okay. That's a... um, That's a powerful perspective because if you're looking at somebody that has attained whatever... Mm And then you have that same vision for yourself. I think we underestimate the power of vision. You know, the Bible says that without a vision, uh, the people perish. Like if you don't have something that you are working for, something that you can keep your eyes on, the process kind of gets stagnated because there's nothing for that being payoff. So when you saw that man and you saw all that stuff around him, 
You put an internal vision inside of your heart, or maybe God birthed that in you, and that was something to drive you. So kind of expand on what that did for you from that point moving on. Well, what it did for me is it kind of, it started to help me understand money. Um, Because what I started to learn as time went on, got into college, and when I got into college, I started to learn that, okay, this is a business. College is a business. I graduated, had a decent GPA, went on to Sam Houston State. Um, my first semester in there, I'm like, this is a business. This college is a business. I took a history class. And in my history class, uh, Mr. Osa, I'll never forget him. Um, really good guy, very knowledgeable, taught really good history. But as I'm networking, and that's, to me, that's what college is about. Mm-hmm. If you're not going to be a doctor, a lawyer, um, some in the medical field, some kind of certain profession, I went for communications. For me, I learned more networking yeah. in the business yeah. and communications than anything else. I learned how to deal with people. Um, some of my old high school classmates, I'm talking to them. They're at Prairie View, TSU. And we sit down, we're talking this. Uh, I think it was a Christmas break. And I talked about the paper I had to write and told him who the book was by. He said, oh, man, that's my professor. And I said, really? He said, yeah, man, that's my professor. I said, oh, okay, well, my professor, his name's James Olson. Man, we have to buy his book. Mm. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. I yeah. mean, so I learned there my first semester, okay, this is a business. This, it just is what it is, you know, Um Yes, you can learn things in college that can further you along. You can get priceless relationships. But at the end of the day, school is a business. And I say that wholeheartedly because coming from where I came from, there wasn't any requirements as far as financial courses in order to teach me financial literacy so I know how to handle a student loan before I get it. Why isn't that a requirement, right? Shouldn't I know how to handle money before you gracefully give it to me so you know that I'm going to give it back, right? So for me, as I got, I got through college, it was, um, it was one of those things, Pastor Holman, where I had this epiphany before I got there, and then by the time I left, I knew money was a tool. So let's park it right there. All right. Because now you, you're touching a hot button for me that I have just... <laughs> I'm 47 years old this okay. year. I didn't learn about proper money management until I was 30. Mm-hmm. Uh, college, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. We are graduating kids 12 years out of high school, mm-hmm. putting them into four years of college. And then you go to your post-graduate studies, whatever that may be. So we're graduating kids 16, 18 years out of school, mm-hmm. but we're not giving them any type of financial literacy. Absolutely. I mean, we're teaching them about economics and stuff like that, but we're not teaching them about what does money do? How does money work? Right. right the whole wheel of it all. And so we're graduating people into a society that have absolutely zero idea of how money works. Right. And I think now, again, um, I'm thinking out of this level, not up, up here, but we're doing that because debt is a business. Absolutely. Debt is a business. Uh, it keeps companies well paid. It keeps uh, CEOs and presidents well paid. Debt is a business. Student loan without exception. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's why you have credit card vendors coming on college campuses and giving five hundred dollars, a thousand dollar credit cards to people that have never had credit in their life. Right. So debt is a business. So if we're understanding that debt is a business, how do we come in and educate from a ground roots level, mm-hmm. from from right here? 
about how to say, and here's what I was saying this morning. If I say no to myself today, I get to say yes to myself tomorrow. Right. Right. So I may want this today, but I may not have what I need to get this today. So let me say no now. Mm -hmm. And then in two months, I'll be able to say yes. So how do we teach a financial literacy, especially in this I want it now culture? Well, again, it goes back to what I said earlier. Money is a tool. We have to think of money as as if it's a hammer or a wrench in order to build our financial legacies. If you have money and all you think about it is, okay, you just say my business card is $100. The first thing you do when you get my business card is you take it and say, oh, man, I can go get a new pair of shoes. Okay, now you no longer have a tool. Mm. So how are you going to build your financial wealth if you don't have a tool? Mm. The more tools you have in your shed, the more that you can move and shake. That's a good word. With me, what I had to learn about money was that, okay, if I want to be debt-free, I need to have more than one form of income. Most Americans, and I don't care what nationality you are, if you're in a certain economic class, you only think buy, 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 buy. This is what I need to do, buy. Or I get some more money, I want to buy something else. But you don't think about tomorrow. Mm, yeah. My thing with, especially with my business, with gold and silver, and I, I love gold and silver, as a form of savings because it will always be worth something. You would not need, the world wouldn't need gold and silver if I could take a $100 bill, right? And the serial number on it is time stamped. So based on what, what's going on in America, whatever $100 can get me today, if I keep this $100 bill, 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now, I can get the same amount of goods and services with this same bill because of the serial number mm -hmm. that's there. Mm -hmm. My mom, like I told you, she was um, a single mother, and I used to go grocery shopping. She started me going in the store by myself at nine years old. She gave me as much as $20, and I had like 10 to 15 things I had to bring out, and I brought change at nine. Those nine things now, I mean, it's probably... $60, yeah, $70. Way more than that. Right. And so I, I, I say gold and silver because it's always worth something. That's a good start. But you have to have a balanced portfolio. People got to start understanding and, and thinking of themselves as a sense of a business. You are your own business. That's the way my wife and I look at it. We looked at our finances and we said, you know what? We want to be debt free. That's what we want to do. We read books, watched videos. We did all of that. But until you start creating the discipline, the habits, you'll never be in a position where you can say, okay, I have this job, and then, you know what, I cut yards on the weekends. I had a job where I was making six figures, and I was delivering moonwalks. Mm -hmm. I didn't care because I wanted to be debt-free. I put in the work. You know, if you are a younger American and you don't have any kids, work until you can't work no more. And I'm not saying don't have fun. I'm saying... Figure it out to get the money right. Get your credit together and get your money together because you're not going to get the loan you want to get. And you go in there and say, well, I got $3,000 in my savings account. Um, that's what I got. You're not disciplined enough. You're not. If you're worth $100,000 and you go buy a quarter million dollar house, you're not disciplined enough. Mm -hmm. You're not thinking right mm -hmm. because money is a tool. The more money you have left over at the end of the month, the smarter you are, right? 
America has programmed us to say, okay, the more ways and the more stuff I can show you the way that I made money, the better off I am. I'm not saying you can't have nice stuff. I got jewelry on, nice jewelry, but I budget it for it, mm-hmm. right? So with, with an average American who just has one job, first thing it has to do is they have to understand money for what it is. They have to budget. If, that, if you look at your checking account and you say, okay, um, I spend money on this, 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 and this, and this. Most people spend money on a bunch of food. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's what we waste the most, food. So you go to Papado's or wherever you go, I don't care. You spend $100 there. But then if I come and I talk to you about gold and silver investments, and I say, well, you can get in with silver at $150, $200. I don't know about that. Uh, man, I might have to get back with you on that one. But in a weekend, you can blow three, four hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. Going to the club, buying drinks, having a good time. But you can't, you know, you can't do both officially until you learn what money really is. So, so Brian, so when you're talking about now, you're talking about terms that most uh, people and I had uh, I dare to kind of frame this into a particular ethnicity but mm-hmm. don't understand portfolios and diversifying yeah. and things of that nature so let's bring it from that level down to this level you know the Bible says in the Song of Solomon chapter number two that it's the small foxes that spoil the vine sure um, I often give the illustration of the Titanic. We all know that it was a 175-foot ship, this massive ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that it hit an iceberg out on its first maiden jo- uh, ver- voyage. But what we fail to realize is that that iceberg made a hole in that big, massive ship of about 15 feet. Mm-hmm. It wasn't this big, gaping hole. So this big, huge ship began to take on all of this water, not from a 100-foot hole, but from a little small 15-foot hole, water began just to pour in. When you're looking at your financial life, you got to be able to plug those small holes. Sure. Like if you're going out and you're spending $200, $300, $400 on fast food a month, Mm -hmm. you got to plug those little $10 here, $20 here. Mm -hmm. You got to plug those little holes. And so when you talk about budgeting, I don't think that that's something that we talk nearly enough about. No, we don't. And I don't think a lot of people even understand the value of budgeting. Right. Um, when you get paid and you get $1,000, $1,000 is not what you actually have. Absolutely. That's not the money that you actually have. So how do you, from a grassroots level, grassroots mm-hmm. level, when you're talking about breaking uh, the cycles of an economic stronghold, from a mm-hmm. grassroots level, bottom level, going up, okay. how would you implore somebody to start at that place? First thing you want to do is you want to write down all your expenses. That's the first thing you want to do. All your expenses. All your expenses. And then from after you break down all your expenses and then from there you have to categorize this. You have to take it and put it into two categories, needs and wants, because all your expenses aren't needs. Mm -hmm. A lot of them are wants. And so once you get your needs out of the way, then you figure out what wants you can do away with. Like you just have to just say, okay, no. Because paying yourself, people yeah, don't understand this. They don't understand it. It's just as important as tithing. Exactly. It's just as important. Because if you don't pay yourself and you don't tithe, you're losing both ways. Yeah, exactly. You're losing both ways. Now, if you have to make a choice, of course, you tithe because it always comes back. You know, it's like kingdom building is having everyone live by that code, if everyone tithed like they were supposed to, everyone would get the favor that they should have. But 
too many people are caught up into what that person has or what that pastor has. It doesn't matter. I'm a living witness. It doesn't matter what church you go to, what the pastor's driving, where he or she lives. If you give that 10%, it comes back. I promise you, it comes back 10, 20 fold sometimes. Now, you're talking about an economic principle in the church that will you start to step on toes because there's two things that you can't talk about in the church, sex and money. Well, I, and let me interject on that because there is a book that isn't biblical, but the principles work. It's called The Richest Man in Babylon. The Richest Man in Babylon, absolutely. If you don't believe in God, that's fine. Read that book. Absolutely. It's a great book. Read great, the book. Great, great book. I'm great not going to go into the details. But, but it's a great book. It, it, talk, it gives a lot, of, a lot of simple, common sense stuff about money and how you should use it. And even though you make a mistake with it, that's okay. You learn. Just learn from that mistake and keep going forward. But I say... And, and I always push giving because I gave mm -hmm. even when I didn't have to mm -hmm. give. Mm -hmm. My mom was a single parent and I was working for the church. I was making a salary. I had to give and I gave and I gave. And sometimes I gave more than what I, I needed to. But you know what? I prayed about a scholarship that I wanted. Um, I went to Jack Case High School. They had a, a scholarship that was available to um, to work for Fox 26. It was a paid internship. I found out about it like, I think at the last minute. I was sick, I got in, I applied for it, I got it. Only two people in Houston got it. Me and someone else. That's favor. That allowed me to go in and, and mingle with professionals, figure out what I wanted to do in communications, but it paid me and it helped pay for school. That's favor. You can't buy favor, just like you can't buy health. You know, so operating under the principles that are biblical, that's what helped me. So when you're talking about money mm -hmm. and this value of money, I think we need to start at this level of, uh, I think it was a great illustration that you used that, that money is simply a tool, mm -hmm. considered to be a hammer or a wrench. Right. But when you're looking at most people in, and I say most, maybe not most, a lot of people, let me put it in those terms, mm -hmm. don't come from a savvy economic background. Sure. And so we're only doing what we have saw. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, you get paid, what do you do? Take care of your bills. Right. You know, we, we work to take care of bills. And so most people don't have that kind of financial savvy. I, I was so blessed to work at Chase for a number of years and really kind of get up on the ground level of what this financial thing was all about. But it took me so long because no one was there to say, do this, this and that. Yeah. And I think if we if we break this thing down and say, OK, here's your money. This is what this money looks like. Now, what can this money do for me? The $20 in America is not the same $20 in France. Right. It doesn't spend the same way. Right. It's not worth as much in uh, Europe as it is in America. Right. So when you're looking at that dollar and you say, okay, well, God, you've blessed me. I'm giving back my offerings. Please say this, everybody. You don't pay your tithes. 
you give your tithes. Do not think it's tithing as a bill to pay. Sure. You are giving back unto the sure. Lord that which he gave you. And trust me, it's a lot easier to live off of the 90% than it is the 100%. It doesn't make sense to you until you try it. Mm-hmm. But I promise you, God will grant you tremendous favor if you understand that. Then going to your second point, now that I've given back unto God, mm-hmm. God, you've blessed me. I, I, I acknowledge the source by which this money come from. If I'm looking at myself as a business, now I have to invest back in my own business, sure. which is to pay myself. Sure. That's a concept that is foreign to a lot of people. They never heard that. Right. So why should I pay back to myself? Why should I pay into my own business? <laughs> well, it's like, it's like um, and I'm trying to break it down for as simple as possible. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind is that, you know, if you believe in your business, then you should be the first one to invest in it. And that's what I've done with mine. I'm the first one to invest in my business. Um, we read about and we see all of these successful people on TV. They have these nice homes. They have these nice things. But it, it, it starts with a decision. And you should pay yourself because what it's going to do is it's going to fill a void that you have that you don't even know that you have. A lot of people who don't have much money, they have this void that they try to fill. And they fill it on the weekend, on Friday, and on mm-hmm. Saturday, on Sunday with the many things that they choose to do besides trying to figure out how to come up with another source of income or spend some quality time with their family. So, Mr. Brian Mason, um, account executive at Gulf Coast um, Gold Traders, we're talking about um, paying yourself yes. because you are your own business. Absolutely. So why should I invest back into my own business? Because you're, it's your business. It's you. Um, something that my wife and I did when we were looking at our expenses is that, of course, we, we wrote everything down, we put everything in categories, wants versus needs, and then we started to focus on the needs. And one of the needs that we put into place was cable, and we really didn't need it. <laughs> so Cable was a need, huh? Cable was a need, um, but we said, you know what, we don't need it, so we cut the cable off. We were spending 250 bucks on cable. Um, at the time when we were doing it, back in 2009, um, you know, we were a young couple, we went to the Redbox, get some DVDs, watch that. We had just moved in, but we were trying to figure out ways to increase our income and we couldn't. So we started decreasing our expenses mm. and by paying yourself, it gives you a sense of empowerment. Again, when you don't have much of anything, you have this void that you can't feel and you don't know that you have it. And it's not anything that's spiritual. It's just a void that you feel like, okay, uh, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, God's going to give me the favor, that's fine. But paying yourself first, what it allows you to do, what you're doing is you're being prepared for the opportunity. So when that opportunity comes, whether it be getting some gold and silver or whether it be in the stock market or real estate, you're prepared. So if you're having an opportunity where you're renting and you've never paid yourself, but you have an opportunity to buy because let's say that um, you're a tenant and the landlord says, you know what, you've been renting for me for five years. I'm about to move out of the country. You have an opportunity to buy. Just yeah. give me $5,000 yeah. and then we can just mortgage out the rest over time. If you don't have the 5000 Yeah, you just missed that opportunity. You just missed the opportunity. And so, again, having money it prepares you for those opportunities. As you pay your tithes and 
you build your savings account and you pray and you write your goals and your visions down and you ask God to help you in this area, he has no choice but to help you. You're building, you're being diligent. And as you're being diligent, following the Ten Commandments as best as you can, mm-hmm. right? You're paying your tithes as best as you can and you're saving, paying your paying yourself. It's a win-win scenario. Now, let me ask you, because you just spoke something really, really uh, profound, and I want to make sure we hear that. You said you and your wife, since you couldn't increase your income, you mm-hmm. decreased your expenses. Your expenses. Mm-hmm. Now, th- th- that's just a powerful statement. So, And I think that's something that a lot of people can put their hands on. Sure. Okay, this is the money that I'm making per X, Y, and Z. Okay, I'm trying to get that number up, but right now I can't. So since I can't do anything about this number at the moment— let me decrease how much money is leaving. from. I think that's a powerful statement, so expand on that a little bit. Well, you know, when you're decreasing your expenses, what you're doing and what you're showing, and you're just showing God that, okay, I'm a good steward, right? Because everything that we have that's an expense isn't necessarily a need. You may need a new pair of shoes, right? But you don't need five yeah on that particular brand brand. right right so you can get the same brand just get it from a different store (laughs) yeah right um they may go on sale in a few months or whatever so do bargain shopping you don't have to have everything that's quote-unquote name brand but if you want that budget for it i'm not saying that people can't have the nicer things in life but budget for it you really want to wear Whatever brand that is, that's fine. If you want to get some jewelry, that's fine. Budget for yeah. it. Okay, so don't not pay your rent to get a gold chain. It doesn't make sense. But budget for it. So you say, okay, well, you know what, Brother Brian, I want to get uh, I want to get some gold and silver from you. Okay, well, that's good. How much you want to start with? I had a guy, he doesn't make much money. He said, I want to start with $500. I said, okay. And it took him a few months, and he got the $500, mm-hmm. and, then, and then he did a little something with me. I took care of him, but he had to budget for it. Yeah. And so what, what you do when you're budgeting is you're saying, okay, you're changing your mind. That's the first thing you have to do. You have to be sick and tired of being in the same situation. You have to be tired of it. Until you make it up in your mind that, okay, I'm tired of being broke, or I'm tired of living in this cycle Sunday to Sunday. It's like I do the same thing. Monday through Friday, I go to work from 9 to 5. After my my job at 5, I get off as Friday. Friday's like the national holiday. Everybody's taking off, doing whatever. Then Sunday, you kind of go to church, kind of get ready, back to the grind. You have to know that, okay, what's going to be my exit plan? Mm -hmm. What am I going to do in order to prepare me to no longer have to work for anybody else? And it doesn't matter how old you are. I say this all the time. Warren Buffett didn't make his first million dollars till he was 50 years old. Yeah. But what he did do is he, and what I learned from him was that he bought a house and he lived in that same house. He bought a car, he drove that same car. To this day. To this day. To this day. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, to That's this day. That's what I'm talking about. So just knowing your wants and your needs, you have to, you have to be honest with yourself. Just because you may be 50, 60 years old and and you never had this, you know, doesn't mean that you should go to the Chevrolet dealership, get a Carvette, get forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars in more debt just because you feel like you deserve it and you still got a mortgage. So I think a lot of what you're speaking to right now, uh, Brian, is this thing called impulse spending, right? Yeah. 
And so I, I think that when you're looking at advertising agencies, they are so savvy, man. There's a technology and a science behind everything that you see on TV, social media. You're going into that store, and they have this thing called product placement. Mm-hmm. Like when you walk into a grocery store, it's designed for those chips to be in that lane at that particular place. Absolutely. It's not just random, mm-hmm. right? The chocolates that you're at the check-in counter, mm-hmm. they pay premium dollars to, to put their right product there. right there. Right. It's called impulse spending. Right. And so when you're walking into these places, and you didn't, you didn't necessarily plan on spending $25, but... Those shoes that you've been looking at, now they're 25% off. There you go. In a big red sign. Yeah. Right before you get to the checkout counter. Right. So this thing about impulse buying is something that gets all of us. But there has to be a time in which you say, you know what? I want it, but not now. Right. And that's the idea that is pushed back so vehemently in our culture right now. I want it right now. Yeah. And and that's why I say you you have to feed the beast sometimes. Okay, I'm not saying that you can't get anything that you want. It's just that you have to do it in a certain amount of time, right? You have to budget for it. You should reward yourself and get things that you want within means, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I always use this example when I talk to some of my clients and I tell them, um, you know, they, they want to do a certain amount of money in gold, but then they have a Mercedes Benz outside, right? But you can't do 10 grand with me. But you can put a hundred thousand dollars in the car. Yeah, but you can't put. That's depreciating every year. But Mm -hmm. you can't do ten thousand dollars with me. You're doing something wrong. Well, you know, I just got such 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 such. It's but it's about prioritizing things, and so that's why it's kind of bringing me back to my point with with the. I spoke to you about this earlier with people that are a little little younger that are getting their first homes now, um, you don't have to spend 200000 on your first home. Mm-hmm. Spend sixty, seventy thousand, 70000 get you a condo that might not be in the best of places, but it's not. It's going to allow you to save and put back. And I think if, if we can start changing our minds to, okay, what can I do or where can I live or what can I get in order for me to be satisfied, to fill that need, but then allow me to still save. If you're able to pay yourself every month, you're doing the right thing, right? But if all of your expenses soak up your entire paycheck and you only have two, $300 left over, you need to reevaluate what you're doing. So I think a lot of times what we see right now is this, I use the concept of the car. I mean, of course the vet is the sexy car, right? Mm-hmm. But if you set an end destination and you're traveling 10 miles an hour, mm-hmm. you're going to get to that same destination traveling 10 miles an hour as if you were traveling 60 miles an hour. Sure. You're going to get to the exact same place. Sure. So we got to stop looking at the speed and start looking at the destination. And no matter where you are in life, you got to look at getting to a end destination. Now, right. one of the things that I think we need to be looking at is encouraging a younger generation, right? A, a younger generation, 20s, 25, just coming out of college to begin to start focusing their mind on that end destination. Yeah. Because the older that you get in life, in order to get to this place, you got to start doing more aggressive things if you want to close that gap. Sure. So we get these 20, 25-year-olds and start pointing them in a direction where they want to go early, mm-hmm. and they can begin to start to produce some real value in getting to that end goal. When you get to somebody that's 60, 65, or 50, and then retirement is 10 years out, and they haven't done nothing in those 50 years, 
that task seems overwhelming. Yeah. Right. I'm 50 years old and I don't have anything in my savings account. Right. Right. So when you're talking about economic and breaking these economic strongholds, I think the thing that we need to hone, uh, hone in on is the education of it all, yeah. Brian. And that's kind of taking this thing down, this big giant, and chopping these things down into really manageable nuggets. When I get my $250 paycheck, that's all I got. Right. Okay, I'm not talking about $250,000. i am getting $250. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I got to work with. Sure. We need to break this thing down into nuggets so that it's manageable. So let me ask you this. Sure. You have right now, you are part of Gulf Coast uh, Gold Traders, so you deal with gold and silver. Mm-hmm. And so we need to talk about this thing called investments and investment vehicles. What's best, what's not, uh, what kind of fits the bill, kind of based on where you're trying to go. Mm -hmm. But why do you consider gold to be a a good economic vehicle? Because gold is, because gold has been here before us, it's going to be here after us. No matter where you go, and you've been all over the world, uh, you can take gold and silver there and you can get currency. Mm -hmm. There may be a time in our lifetime where the dollar won't be as transmittable as it Absolutely. is right now. I Absolutely. believe that that will happen. I'm not going to say around the corner, but I believe it will happen in my lifetime. I believe in gold and silver because it's real money. These are some silver coins. They don't cost much. Okay. These are silver half dollars. Mm. Take a look at that. Yeah. That's real money. So when we were when we were um, getting started with our company, the first thing that we wanted to do was we wanted to make sure that we had things that were affordable for anybody, regardless of your socioeconomic background. Mm. Silver allows you to do that. Uh, you know, when we were kids, you and I, you could have got silver for under $10 an ounce. an ounce, $4 an ounce. Um, My grandmother, she used to talk about going to the casinos sometimes, and they wouldn't gamble. They would just go to the casinos and get the silver dollars out Hmm. because they would use them for the slots. And so they go in, they'll get the silver dollars, and then, you know, they'll play a few slots, but then they'll leave. So they'll go down there for $500, $600. Silver was worth, I think she said, $3 or $4. So you're pretty much tripling your money when you go down there. Um, but that's real money. It's an easy way to put away your money. So when I'm sitting down and I'm talking to my clients and I'm telling them what they should do, I always recommend that they put anywhere in between 10, no more than 30% of their net income, net wealth in gold and silver. And you do that because it's going to always be worth something. If you're coming from a place where you don't have much money, that's one of the few assets you can buy outright and not have an expense attached to it. Um, I don't knock real estate. I love real estate. But real estate has taxes and insurance. Mm-hmm. You also have what's called a tenant, and some of them can be headaches. Yeah, yeah. So you have to deal with that, right? But with this, you get this, you put it away, and in time, it's going to go up. It's going to increase. It doesn't matter. It's always going to be worth something. I believe in gold because my wife, um, she was, I want to say, she was in college, and her sister was just graduating from high school. And so her dad, my father-in-law, he had put away gold and silver for them since 1985. Black man. And he got laid off his job, no longer working. 
he took the gold that he just reserved for her and used that money to house her, to pay her tuition, to buy her a car, everything. Mm. And that was, I think it was in the year 2006, year 2007. Gold was trading for roughly around, I want to say almost $800 an ounce. But he was getting in at like $200 an ounce. And so since he made good money, but he put a lot of money into gold, it was worth something. Mm -hmm. You see, he didn't have to say, uh, I'm going to call Edward Jones. Yeah, man, uh, I'm going to have to pull some money out of my retirement. I got to take care of these kids. No, he didn't have to do that. He maintained. He didn't have to sell his house. He didn't have to do none of that. But he gave it time to work for him on his behalf. Now, granted, it was for 20 years he was getting gold. But it paid off. So this is, um, by all accounts, and gold right now, I think, is trading. I think we talked about it earlier off 2000. camera, about $2,000 an ounce. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking at gold right now, uh, gold and silver are great economic vehicles for long-term wealth. Absolutely. The problem is with, not a problem, but the mentality that you have to attach with gold and silver is that it has to be thought of in a long-term investment. Just like a mortgage. Just like a mortgage, right? Yes. So you got to be thinking about this long-term. So I'm going to get this today in 2020, mm-hmm. but I can't turn around in 2021 and say, hey, give me some money back. It has to be a long-term investment strategy. Absolutely. Now, the problem with um, when you're looking at investments, and even gold in our American culture, that there was a time in American history where we had tons of gold in Fort Knox. Uh, our economy was backed by gold. Mm-hmm. So our dollar actually had weight because it had something behind it yeah. to value that 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 $10 number that we put on that bill. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking at gold right now, what would be some of the things, like what's a bottom line investment to a gold? Is there anything too small? Uh, somebody came and said, hey, Brian, I want to do something for $250. What would they do for that $250? Well, with $250, um, I would direct them towards silver because you get more for your money and there's a bigger upside potential. Um, Silver right now is trading for, it's right under $30, maybe $27, $28, something like that. But historically, silver's hit $50 twice, right? So if you're just getting into it and you say, well, um, all I have is $250, I would say, okay, we'll get some silver Mm -hmm. because if... If silver hits $60, it's trading right around 30 silver is going to double, well, triple before gold ever doubles. Mm. And that's just the way it's always been. So back in 2011, uh, gold hit 1925 an ounce, silver hit $50 respectively. Back in 1980, gold hit 800 and something an ounce, and silver hit $50 respectively. So we're seeing these moves, these aggressive moves in the market, and you want to get in on those, silver for someone who doesn't have much money is the way to go. Because if you are renting, if you are leasing, um, if you have a car note, all of those things are expenses that you put your money away. And we feel like those things are stuff or things that we have to have. Yeah. But this is tangible wealth. If something were to happen tomorrow and let's say the dollar collapses or the economy, Lord forbid, collapses, the dollar's not going to be worth anything, but gold and silver will. You can go anywhere in the world and and you'll have money. You'll have your value. And what I like the most about gold and silver over anything else is that it locks in your buying power for this particular year. So whatever 
$400 or whatever $600 could get you today, that's what is going to be able to get you 30, 40 years from now, mm -hmm. right? It might be more dollars, but it's the same value. And that's why you're supposed to, just like you rightly divide the word as a pastor, yeah. you have to rightly divide your finances Absolutely. as an individual. And owning gold and silver, what I found personally is that it helps you think about the future from a different perspective. So if I wasn't blessed the way that I've been blessed, um, if I wasn't able to have rental properties and a primary home, um, if I was living paycheck to paycheck, gold and silver is the perfect option. Because what I would do is I'd say, okay, these are my wants, these are my needs, let's cut out the hidden wants in the needs, and let's put gold and silver in there. It's just a different form of savings. What this does is it tells you, well, um, let's just say that these are worth $20 a piece, right? Each one's 20 bucks. You can't take this to McDonald's and get a number yeah. three, Yeah. okay? Yeah. You can't take this to the mall and buy a new pair of whatever. You're forced to save it. And I like it because it creates discipline in your savings. And so by doing that, you say, okay, well, I have the gold and silver covered. Great. You still need cash on hand. You want cash on hand so that you can be prepared for a business opportunity. Everyone wants to go into business, but nobody wants to prepare for yeah, it. Yeah, that's exactly right. Right? So I opened up my business to God be the glory. I didn't have to go to SBA for a loan. God helped me prepare for it. And so you want to be in a position to be able to do it with or without the loan. I'm not knocking anybody who needed one, but if that's where you are, then that's fine. But you have to show yourself approved. And having gold and silver, what it does, again, is that it puts you in a position. And I, I look at it like, and Robert Kiyosaki said this, he said gold and silver is God's money. And I believe that to the bottom, to the core of everything that I believe in, because it's always been a currency. Mm -hmm. Gold and silver are not just commodities, they're currencies. And as a currency, what it does is it controls what goes around the world. If gold and silver was not important, America wouldn't own so many. I think it, they own like eight tons of gold. Mm -hmm. it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's a lot of gold that they own. And it, it's probably more than that. And I might be misquoting myself. But what I'm saying is, is that America has the most gold reserves in the world. You know, and the argument that always comes up is, well, Africa has all of the the gold, you know, you just got to mine it out. And I get that part, but I'm just saying refined gold, physical gold, America owns the most. So if the government owns it, why don't you? So when you're talking about financial literacy, I think, not I think, one of the things that we have a difficult uh, time understanding is where to start. Mm -hmm. Okay, we... Um, you know, I said me being 47, I didn't learn about finances until I was 30, 30 years old. And I was with a good friend of mine, a good mentor of mine who really began to start to train me about, you know, plugging those small holes. I give the example of what my mama told me to do mm -hmm. in regards to writing down every single expense, Coke, sure. McDonald's, and then looking at the end of that two weeks and you'll figure out, man, I just spent $100 this week and I have no idea where it went. Mm -hmm. So when you're talking about financial literacy, and especially for long-term growth. Yeah. Uh, one of the things, and I'll be very transparent with the people that are watching and you uh, here, my guest, uh, one of the things that I wish I had done better 
was I have four children right now. Two of them are in school. Mm-hmm. Uh, one goes to Prairie View. Another one goes to Texas State. Uh, so I'm accruing about $50,000 a year in college expenses. Yeah, I have my son that will be coming out next year. So that's going to jump up to about 75000 oh, And then my faith will be out in three years. So that's going to be <laughs> roughly about $100,000 a yeah. year. And while I've done some things in regards to annuities and some 503Bs, mm-hmm. uh, some stuff like that, some 527 accounts uh, to kind of buffer that college expense because I knew it was going to be coming, one of the things that I wish I had done better earlier when they were very, very small was start allocating those expenses then yeah. at a much more aggressive way. And maybe if I'd have had some, some financial literacy about some gold investments at that particular time, I could have storehouse like your father-in-law did. Yeah. So I think one of the things that this podcast is going to do for those who are watching is to say this, and I, and I really believe this, Brian, stop looking at the top of the mountain and just take the first step. Absolutely. Okay, if I can't go and say, hey, man, I want to get $1,000 worth of gold or $5,000 worth of gold, just start somewhere. Sure. And even if it's not gold, let's just say looking at my expenses and determining the needs from the wants. Right. If I can't do anything about my annual salary, let me do something about these expenses that are leaving. And I pray um, that as those who are watching can really look at this and say, man, that makes a lot of sense. Sure. I've never thought about it from that perspective. So as you're looking at it, how many kids you got right now? Two. You got two kids. What's their ages? Eight and three. Eight and three. Right now, um, college expenses, uh, and I'm talking about in-state schools. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about if you come out of Texas trying to come to a college in Texas. Uh, college tuition is going up about 3 to 5% every single year. Yeah. Now, inflation is running at about 3.1-ish. So we got to have something in regards to savings. And here's one of the the unfortunate truths about saving. Um, your savings accounts, me used to work at Chase. I know this very particularly. Yeah. You're getting .001 yep. in interest on your savings. So your money's. So we tell people that savings is for emergency cash. Right. right? You want to have some emergency cash on hand. But putting all your eggs in that basket. Is a mistake. Is a mistake. Yes. Because you're not getting anything on a return for that. But we have some things coming forward with regards to showing people how to go and use this vehicle. And maybe you're at a point in your life to where you got to look at this vehicle. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking about financial literacy, what's some of the things that you would encourage the people watching to get started on right now? First thing I tell them is to write down all the expenses. I can't say that enough. Um, and if they're married, uh, get with your spouse and you got to be on one accord. Because when you have one spending here and the other one spending there, <laughs> I mean, come on. It's a lot. Well, babe, I thought we were saving up. Well, <laughs> you know, it was on sale. You know, <laughs> you know and you get, you get into all of that, and um, you got to be on one accord. That's, I think that's the biggest thing. And if you're single, you just have to get serious. Um, you get some books. Uh, get in the Bible. Now, the hold Bible. on. Let's, say, let's, let's stay there now. Okay. Let's catch this just for a couple minutes. Okay. You're talking about for couples, they need to be on the same page. Yes. Now, uh, let's talk about this, Brian, because there's a 53% divorce rate in the world. Mm-hmm. There's a 51 divorce rate in the church. Yeah. Out of that 51%, almost 40% of that 51% has to do with money. Yeah. So when you're talking about in the home, mm-hmm. uh, money can cause some serious issues between couples. I think money is is a bigger a bigger factor than infidelity mm. when it comes to marriages. Um, and 
with me and my wife, what we what we decided to do is we decided to get serious with our money. We just did. Um, and we, we were really aggressive on our mortgages. Um, and God blessed us to where we're debt free. Um, we didn't use an expert. We read books. We prayed about it. And we were led by God when we did it. I'd be happy to show anybody what I did. But we had more than one form of income. Mm. And I got I can't say that enough. Is that in the process while we were doing it, yeah, we got gold and silver because we believe that gold and silver is a wealth attractor. Because what you're doing is you're showing God that look, I'm I'm willing to save and put a nest egg aside, but at the same time, I'm putting money aside for this other business venture. You're never too good to do an odd job. I don't ever feel like yeah. just because, you know, um, like take you for example, you work for Chase and let's say you were a six-figure guy and you're doing well, but your expenses are six figures too. So you're no better than a guy who's a teacher That's who's exactly barely getting right. by, right? So what you have to do is you have to reposition your finances and say, hey, you know what, babe? Um, we got this nice house, but we're not able to save. We need to sell. We need to downsize. Downsize wherever it's necessary. Because at the end of the day, what everybody wants to do is everybody wants more time. Mm -hmm. If you ask anybody who has it all, the one thing that they wish that they had more of was time. And by, by breaking down your expenses and knowing your needs from your wants and then having more money and having your money work for you, you're allowing yourself to have more time. And that's what we have to do as, as a people is we have to, to learn how to say, okay, well, you know what? I got this iPhone, but I really don't need this iPhone. Um, it costs me $200 a month. Let me go back to a flip phone. Who has the discipline to go to yeah. a flip and go from a $200 bill to a $30 bill? But it depends on how bad you really want to be yeah, that right. free. Come on, come on now. I'm just saying. Come on now. How bad do you really yeah, want to be that free? Want it? How because bad? if you put out that, that flip phone, all your boys are going to let you know that you got a flip phone. They're going to let you know. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, when you're debt free, I have a sense of peace, and I've had this sense of peace. We've been debt free for going on three years now that not many people have or that they can say that they have. I don't have to work for anybody. You know, I have more than one form of income, and God has positioned us, and he's blessed us. And we were, when, we, when we were at the altar, before we got to the altar, we said a prayer, and God led us. And we have a motto for our marriage, and it was blessed to be a blessing. You're one of my witnesses. Mm -hmm. How often am I up here giving stuff to the church? That's right. Always. Always getting stuff. I'm always giving, right? I don't show my wealth, but I'm always giving. There is power in giving. There's a reason why wealthy people give. Mm -hmm. And it's not because they really want to, and it's not because of taxes. It's because there's power in giving back. And so I said all of that to say this, when you're in a position to look at um, your expenses, be honest with yourself. All right. So, um, Mr. Brown, let me tell you, I have uh, thoroughly, 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 thoroughly enjoyed this. Mm -hmm. um, when you talk about diversifying and getting a, a, a second stream of income. Sure. Uh, I am in, in admonishing people, encouraging people that in 2020, it has never been easier. Yeah. 
to get a second stream of income. Uh, Early on, I used to do what's called bird dogging. Mm -hmm. Um, I would go out and spot, you know, dilapidated houses, and I would be working with a flipper and an investor, and I would go out and look at those houses, and I would do all the scout working for them. And when he closed on a house, he would give me as much as $500 to $1,000. And that was just by me traveling down the street and seeing a house that was for sale and going to look at it, sending them pictures. Mm -hmm. Uh, Texas Auto Traders um, has this little app uh, where if you see somebody that's selling a car, you take a picture of that car with your phone number. Texas Auto Traders will call that person selling the car. And if they buy that car from that person, they give you $50. There you go. And all you're simply doing is going down the street, you see somebody with a car for sale, you take a picture of it, send it to Texas Auto Trader. And then all of a sudden you'll get a $50 payment in you. And, and, and so in 2020, there's never been more times to diversify and get additional income. Mm-hmm. But when you're looking at where we are right now, I want to end with this question. I want to give you a little bit of chance to, to expound on this. Okay. You're a black man, of course, uh, from what I can say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, And without going into the details, not to put butter on your biscuit or nothing like that, but you have um, enjoying a piece of this American dream that has been well worked for. You put in the time, you put in the effort, you studied, you make sure that you and your family are in a good place. Mm -hmm. As a black man, is is it possible for a black man to be successful in America? Doesn't matter what your color is. You have to get over that stigma. Mm, Let's talk about it. Like I said, I grew up in the hood, and I could use the same excuse everybody else is using. I had the same hurdles to jump. I had the same demons to fight, right? I had the same things on TV influencing me just like everybody else, Scarface, all that stuff on the movies. You name it, I had to deal with it. You know, some of your best friends and gangs using drugs, selling drugs, I, I saw it. I was around it. I, I, I did. But you have to make a choice and say, hey, I want to be successful. And you have to be willing to go for it. You gotta, you gotta push hard. Yeah. You know, I use this analogy when I'm at the barbershop with the fellas, and I'm gonna say it on your podcast. The amount of energy that a man uses in order to manipulate and to have multiple women, the strategies that he uses Uh, The mindset that he has is the same mindset that you have to have when you're doing business. It's the same thing. You're doing and saying everything in order to make her say yes. That's a salesman. Mm -hmm. Go sell something. Mm -hmm. Put that energy into something else. You can't continue to fill these voids with these broken relationships. And in the black community, I see it in the most because you know, you got family members, you got friends, everybody's doing it, right? Oh, I'm married, but I got yeah. you know, a little something on the side. But what you're doing is you're actually wasting time. That's what you're doing. People are wasting time and energy in order to get this self-gratification when you could have used that time, like I did, to just move a moonwalk. Yeah. What's wrong with that? Yeah. All I had to do was have a trailer, a few moonwalks, and on the weekend, I would move moonwalks, and I'd make an extra five, $600. Yeah. An extra five, $600. But too many of us are spending that, right? Think about how can you make that. You have to change your mind, and that's just what it's about. 
that same energy that you put into your car, the rims, the music, whatever. Take that same energy and put it into a business. Whatever your gift is, God gave, he gives everybody a gift. My gift is, I have multiple gifts. So I try to expound on those. But what I'm saying is whatever gift that God has given you, whatever insight, whatever favor he's given you, he's shown you, then you have to transfer that into something productive. Always, it's a thing that I, I, I live by, it's the five Ps. Prior planning prevents poor performance. Yes, sir. I live by that. And you went to school, so you knew that was in marketing or, or something. One of those business classes that I took. But I've always lived by those five Ps, even in my personal life. Because if I'm not planning for the future, then how can I expect my wife to want to be with me? How can I expect my kids to respect me, right? Learn from your mistakes. Don't beat yourself up from the past. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But look at today as a new day. Hey, you know what? Uh, I'm going to take today and I'm going to figure out what I can do to be a better person. You got people making tons of money selling T-shirts online. Why can't you do it? You have tons of money, people, people making money just helping people advertise online on Facebook. And then if you're not that technical, savvy kind of person, if you live in a neighborhood, just do whatever you got to do, you know, legally in order to get there. But the first thing you have to do is, like I said, you have to make the decision. It has to be a choice. Life is choice driven. And the motto that I live by, my pastor uh, who, who passed away, um, he was my pastor when I was a lot younger until I got into my 20s. But he had this thing he used to say. He said, if it is to be, it is up to me. You can't expect your knees being dirty every night praying to God that he's just going to drop a bucket of money out the sky yeah, and yeah. that you're just going to have all of these finances and you're going to be where you need to be. But if you're getting your hands dirty, while you're getting your knees dirty, praying to God, it's going to happen in a matter of time. So, man, let me tell you, um, Mr. Brian Mason, this has absolutely been a, a great show for me. Um, this is some, one of the things that I'm passionate about. Um, because I believe that change is available for everybody. Absolutely. Um, but I believe in the power of the will. Mm -hmm. God will plant a dream on the inside of you, mm -hmm. but you have to work that vineyard. Right. You got to you got to till the soil. Mm -hmm. God is giving you the seeds for success, but man, you got to till the soil. And so I'm always wanting to encourage people that no matter where you are in life, yes, the excuses are going to be many. Right. Everybody can check out on life regardless of what they're going through, but man, greatness is on the inside of you. You can literally do whatever you set your mind to do. The Bible says clearly that with God, all things are possible. And so no matter where you find yourself at today, maybe you're, you know, saying, hey, I wish I would have done better over here. Wish I would have done better over there. Can't do nothing about the past. However, you can do a whole lot about your future. And so when you're talking about money, which is one of the things that is going to affect you every day of your life. Yes. Money is going to affect every aspect of your life. It takes money to be born. It even takes money to die. die. Yes, it does. So you need money in every, every aspect, aspect of your life. Yeah. So let's start learning about these principles. And no matter where you are, no matter where you are, take a look at your expenses. Write those things down. Start doing what Brian said, man. Okay, this is not necessarily a need. This is more of a want. That's $100 that I can save right there. That's $60 I can save right there. And it may not seem like big, significant amounts, 
But again, the Bible says it's the small foxes that spoil the vine. And so, man, I want to encourage you and thank you for that. And one other thing uh, that I wanted to make sure that I mentioned that really helped is you got to look at your circle. You got to look at your surroundings. Just because you're in the hood doesn't mean you have to be of the hood. But if you're hanging out with a bunch of people who are not like-minded, who aren't trying to be driven like you are, you can still be friends and family. But there's a time and place for everything. And so you're just going to have to learn to, to change your circle. Still be friends. That's fine. Still be family and hang out. But you're just going to have to learn to change it because your circle of <laughs> now, influence is now, everything. Now, uh, Brian, we ain't got enough time to go there. Now, I'm telling you. Now, when I tell people this, man, I use the theory of the five. Yeah. You take your five closest friends, take all of their income, add it up and divide it by five. That's your ceiling. Yeah. That's your ceiling because you can only rise to the environment that you acclimate yourself to. Mm -hmm. And so if you got people that are not going in the same direction that you're going, hey, man, I love you. Hey, brother, you know, we're going to ride or die, but you're not going in the same direction as me. And here, we got to free people. It's okay to do that. Yeah. It's okay. Like, if you still got boys that want to ride or die and you 40, you got two kids, you can't be riding and dying with 40 and two kids. Yeah. So you got to change your circle. I think that's a powerful uh, thing that we need to kind of put some emphasis on. Change your circle and you can change your environment. I think I want to, uh, not I think, I want to thank you, man, so much uh, because I've long since uh, known you. Uh, we got some opportunities coming up here with the men very soon Okay. Um, in regards to these same kind of conversations where we'll have an open table discussion Right. Um, because we need to get this information out. Sure. And I think if, and this is to not to focus on any particular ethnicity, but to have people that look like us mm-hmm. um, that can have these kind of conversations and say, hey, look, that guy did it. Yeah, He looks like me. He comes from the same environment. One of the things that I love about Bethel's family is that our pastor who comes from Abbeville, um, you know, didn't have all the advantages of everybody else. Yeah. But if you look at Bethel's family 26 years in and it is a ministry that started in an apartment complex mm-hmm. and is now literally touching the world. Yeah. And if God can do it in a Pastor August, if God can do it in a Brian Mason, if God can do it through a Marcus Holman, through a Steve Miller, through a Dominique Kennard, if God can do it through people like that at that level, then I want to encourage you, no matter where you are right now, no matter where you're at right now, start right there. Yeah. So I want to give you some closing statements, man. I want you to talk about Gulf Coast uh, Gold Traders. Tell us where we can find you, uh, contact information, and so on. Okay, so uh, you can reach me personally, uh, gold.24k on Instagram. That's your camera uh, right there. You can reach me personally, uh, gold, uh, gold doc, that's G-O-L-D-D-O-C, 24K. Um, and that's my personal Instagram. I got a lot of followers, people following me for gold and silver tips. Also, our company is GC Gold Traders. So if you follow at GC Gold Traders, you can get a lot of good deals and things of that nature, too. Uh, We have a website, gcgoldtraders.com. And then, of course, um, I'm doing jewelry as well. GC Jewelry's uh, Gulf Coast Jewelry. So the Instagram for that is shop GC Jewels with a Z. Can't say that enough. Now, I I might go ahead and give me one of them Jesus pieces that I can (laughs) And might bust it out on the podcast. Yeah, okay. <laughs> get you a Studio B. <laughs> yeah, get me a Studio B one. Hey, man, let me tell you, uh, from the bottom of my heart, Brian, thank you so much, man, for joining us here on Studio B. Uh, thank you for the insight. Um, I believe that the information has been valuable, and I pray that those who are watching um, can take some of those tidbits. And wherever you are, whether that's starting with a budget, 
Yeah. No, starting with the savings, paying yourself, making sure that you're giving back unto God. Absolutely. Taking some of those nuggets and applying it to your life, man. I know you're going to be the better for it. We want to thank you for joining us here on Studio B. Remember, go to our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Follow us on there. Go to our YouTube. Click subscribe. Then the button to the right so that you don't miss one single episode here in Studio B. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. Thank you.